You know somebody that you've often thought, that person just needs a personality transplant. Now, you, you talk to them and, and it just, you know, it's just, yeah, I, I see different ones of you looking at each other. Uh, and <laughs> You know, there's some people that are just hard to be around. Uh, you walk up to them and talk to them and, and their spirit exhibits just the, abs, you know, just everything that you don't like or that you don't want. Uh, it seems like, uh, uh, instead of love, it's anger and hatred. Or uh, you greet them, and there's this scowl on their face, and it, it seems like I just don't want to be around them anymore. Uh, there, there are some others you you come up to and talk to them, and they seem so sad that you might expect that, that their entire family was just killed in a wreck or something. Uh, and then when you start talking to them, no, it's just today. And it's just who they are. Uh, they live in a sour mood. Uh, or, or someone else you talk to, and they're just constantly troubled. The world is just falling apart. And, and they're filled with fear and anxiety. And, and when you talk to them, they don't have any worse problems than you do. You want to say, well, where's the peace of God? Our... our uh, we all know that person that, that's pushy and never wants to wait on anybody or on anything uh, and is always arguing to get their way in everything. And you think, that person must have lived with a lollipop in their mouth until they were about 15. They never had to wait for anything, never had to want for anything. They they need a lesson in in perseverance or, or a lesson in and be without something for a little while. Uh, then there's that person person that's harsh and abrupt and unforgiving. It is uh, you think that person has probably never done a kind thing to anyone or for anyone in their entire lives. It doesn't seem so anyhow. Well, all too often, unfortunately, too many of us do not display the image of God. And in reality, I think we need a personality transplant or an inner self transplant. We need the Spirit of God in us, that in our inner self, that changes who we are. In truth, that's the whole purpose about being born again. Because in the idea of being born again, the old self dies and is buried. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, a new self is born. And that new self is recreated in the image of God. The old self lived in selfishness and opposition to God. That person is supposed to die so that a new self, a new person recreated in the image of God is now alive and that person shows God to the world. Spirit now resides in us. And we need to allow the Spirit of God to change who we are. And if we're still like we were before we knew the Lord, then we've inhibited the Spirit in us. We've not allowed Him to change who we are. We must allow the Spirit of God to bear fruit in us so that now we become like Jesus. 
We've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit for several weeks now. We've talked about love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. Today I want us to talk about gentleness. Maybe another lesson next week and we'll, we'll get to, uh, to uh, self-control after we've lost all control and spent all that money that we didn't have on thank, uh, on Christmas gifts and eating all that stuff we shouldn't have eaten. We'll talk about self-control then. Gentleness is controlled strength. It takes true strength to be gentle. Gentleness is not weakness. Even though a lot of times we think of it as being the same, but it's not. It takes real strength to always be patient and kind. Gentleness isn't weakness then. Weakness cannot react to, uh, weakness will be harsh when it can. And if it doesn't react with harshness, it's thinking harshness. (laughs) But doesn't act in harshness because it doesn't see its power to. But gentleness has the strength to react, but doesn't. Because... It is not controlled by the actions of others, but by the will of God. Weakness has to wait for the opportunity to be mean. Gentleness chooses not to be mean. Chooses to be patient. Chooses to be kind. Chooses to love. Think of it like this. Rushing water can be devastating. Flooding all and tearing things apart. But that same water channeled through a turbine turbine produces electricity. It's the same force. One is uncontrolled, one is controlled and is productive. Our disease out of control can kill thousands. But if it has been controlled and now is a vaccine, it can save the lives of thousands. Commentaries tell us that the original Greek there, the idea of gentleness, is is the term applied to a tamed horse. Still as strong as it ever was, but that power that the horse has, that strength, is controlled and purposed. Jesus, then, of course, would be our best example of someone who was gentle. Our best human example. Uh... We don't know what Jesus looked like. Uh, there's no description of his physical appearance in Scripture. Uh, but I have an idea of what he did not look like. Back in the Middle Ages, all the artists drew pictures of Jesus and he is, is weak and pale, uh, almost anemic. You ever think Jesus walked everywhere he went? (laughs) Uh, He was a builder before he became a minister, a carpenter. So that means 
means he lived. And there's some debate as to exactly what that means. Some people say carpenter, but the same word is you. Uh, it's cutter, really, is what the Greek word is. And uh, most construction then, as well as now in the Middle East, is stone. So he might have been a brick mason, a stone cutter. But either way, that's heavy work. So I don't think Jesus was a weakling. His self-presence during his ministry was predominantly the words that he spoke. But I think also his self-presence was also in his physical presence. He wasn't a weakling. He was strong. Well, when Jesus began his ministry... Uh, he talked about the weak, or the meek, and the gentle. That they are blessed of God. Uh, he's back in Galilee, near Capernaum, maybe on the hillside outside of Capernaum. You can see the Sea of Galilee in the distance. Uh, what the Lord says in the Sermon on the Mount, describes the people that are in the kingdom of God. And the first parts of those uh, of that sermon we sometimes call the Beatitudes. And he's talking about the personality of the person of God. We call them the Beatitudes. The kingdom of God belongs to the humble. Or those who mourn their sin will be comforted with the forgiveness of God. Or the Lord will bless and satisfy those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. God will give mercy to those who show mercy. And those who have a pure heart will be blessed to see God. And those who seek peace with one another and in the world, they will be called the children of God. And it says, blessed are you when people persecute you for my sake and for the sake of righteousness. But within that group of blessings, he says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, we scratch our head at that because we think, well, that's not true. You look around us and the people that get everything are the people that are pushy and just take everything. That's the world we live in under the influence of Satan. That's not what God wants. And reality is not that true. Uh, Truth is that generally, those people are possessed by their possessions. They don't really own those things. They're owned by those things. And sooner or later, what's gained by force or arrogance or dishonesty is going to be taken away from them by force or uh, dishonesty of someone else. Blessed are those who receive as from the Lord, who gives all good and perfect gifts, those he loves, indeed to all who will follow him. 
One of my favorite stories about Jesus is the cleansing of the temple. In fact, he does that twice. We, we read that from time to time. It, it, it's, it's not what we expect from Jesus. After all, you know, we sang the song, Jesus meek and gentle. And I'm talking today about gentleness. And here Jesus is going into the temple and he's driving things out and people out and overturning tables. And it just seems out of character. Uh, he did it twice. First time is uh, early in the ministry. John records it in John chapter 2. One of the very first things he does. The Passover, the Jews, was at hand. It's chapter 2, verse 13. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. Making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Now three years later at the very end of his ministry, in that final week, He's entered Jerusalem triumphantly and the crowd shouted Hosanna to the highest. This final week he goes into the temple again. Matthew 21, verse 12. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you... Make it a den of robbers. Notice immediately afterwards, verse 14, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? Jesus said to them, Yes, <laughs> Have you never heard or read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise? Carefully notice in these readings that Jesus did not harm anyone. He disrupted their sinful practices, their unlawful practices, but no one was harmed. It's also interesting that his critics never challenged the legality of what Jesus did. They challenged the authority. Who told you you could do this? But they didn't say what he'd done was wrong. Uh, and just a few days later when he's on trial and they want to condemn him, they accuse him of blasphemy, but they don't say anything about his cleansing the temple. Why? Because what he did there wasn't wrong. <laughs> it's also interesting to note that what he did that day didn't seem to bother the children. They are immediately coming up to him seeking a blessing. So that force had not been so abrupt that the children did not still see him as gentle and loving and accepting. And the blind and the lame still came to him for healing. 
they hadn't been frightened by his actions. Controlled strength burned with zeal for the Lord and righted wrong. Yet that controlled strength neither threatened or harmed anyone. Controlled strength still welcomed the hurting and the innocent. That's gentleness. The gentle spirit of Jesus is defined for us. Matthew records uh, another story on a Sabbath day when Jesus is healing and his gentleness is seen again. Uh, And the gentleness of Jesus here is best described because it shows his compassion and concern for those who are less fortunate, for those who hurt. Here, the tender side is seen standing next to the strong and confident side, gentleness in full display. Jesus is in the synagogue. Now, there had been the confrontation in the grain field. Now, Jesus is in the synagogue within the city, and there is a man there with a withered hand. His opponents, the Pharisees there, the scribes, are watching. Is he going to heal the guy? If he does, then we can accuse him of breaking the Sabbath again. Uh, they, they would call that a forbidden work. Matthew 12, verse 9. He went on from there and entered their synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. And he said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out. How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. There's strength. There's firmness. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. The man stretched out his hand and it was restored, healthy like the others. Pharisees went and conspired against him how to destroy him. With controlled strength, Jesus still did what was right. He didn't call his disciples, we need to get rid of these Pharisees, drive them them out. He didn't tell his disciples, Matthew, Mark, uh, Peter, Andrew, pick up some stones and throw toward these guys. He just simply healed the man with the withered hand. He didn't say, tear down this synagogue. He simply reached out in love and kindness. He did what was right. They wanted to destroy him, and he knew that. And with the power of God, he could have destroyed all of them with a spoken word. He left that day, the synagogue, their presence, and many followed. 
and others gathered from around the town, and all who came to him who were ill, who were lame, he healed. Then Jesus, or then Matthew records these words about Jesus to describe the character he showed to those who followed. Verse 18. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench, till he brings justice to victory. And in his name Gentiles will hope. Jesus, well-pleasing to God the Father. Jesus, proclaiming justice to the Gentiles. Jesus, who would not quarrel or protest in the streets. Jesus, who would not so much as harm a reed. Jesus, who would bring justice to victory and hope Everyone. One more story I want us to look at this morning. This is still a few days after he cleansed the temple. He entered Jerusalem triumphantly. He could have entered the city that day any way he wanted. His popularity was at its most. There were hundreds that were following him, listening to his everything. When he walked, people said, Hosanna in the highest! This is the Messiah! He entered Jerusalem triumphantly on the back of a small donkey. He could have gone in any way he wanted to, and exactly that is what he did. He entered the way he wanted to. He could have chosen a war horse. He could have said, disciples line up with swords and shields, we'll take Jerusalem by a storm. But he didn't. He entered on the back of a donkey. A colt of a donkey. Because entering in to lay siege to Jerusalem and drive Rome out wasn't his purpose. His kingdom wasn't physical, it was spiritual. He wanted to to champion hearts, not dirt. It occurred to me this week as I was looking at this story. It was a colt of a donkey that had never been ridden. It wasn't tamed. No one had broken the donkey. But under the control of Jesus, the donkey became a mount of a king. 
perfectly controlled. The Lord entered the city of kings and made his way to the temple of God. And those who watched gave glory to God. The king entered the city in glorious fashion. Spiritually. Not by Rome standards. But by heavens. And the people shouted, Hosanna in the highest, glory to God. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. As Jesus rode his gentle mount. So the question this morning. Does anyone shout glory to God when they look at you serving God? As you carry the banner of Jesus in this community, what do people see? Arrogance or humility? Love or hate? When we proclaim our belief that salvation is only in the Lord, do people hear forgiveness or condemnation? Do we reach out in compassion? Or do we turn our backs in apathy, self-righteous indignation? Have we allowed the Spirit of God to control who we are? To become gentle? To take our wildness and our rebellion and replace it with gentleness and love and submission to God? We started off this morning talking about needing a personality transplant, and some of us do. I'm thankful to God that most of us have allowed the Spirit of God to change who we are. So we are a people that reflect Jesus. We are a people who deal with others in this community with love and compassion and gentleness. Perhaps all of us not. Do you need to change? Let the Spirit of God change who you are. From hatefulness to loving. From despondent to joy. From troubled to peaceful. From anxious to patient. From mean to kindness. From evil to good. From unreliable to faithfulness. Be born of the Spirit. Be changed by the Lord. Peter told those that were listening to him as he preached on the steps, the south steps of the Temple Mount, to be baptized into Christ for the remission of their sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that changing power of the Spirit. Verse 38, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For 
the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Some years later now, Paul, preaching and writing, he writes to the Corinthian church and he tells them that the Spirit of the Lord, or, or that we all are baptized in the Spirit of the Lord, immersed to drink of that one Spirit, the living water of God. Verse 13, for in one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jew or Greek, slaves or free. We were all made to drink of one Spirit. Do you drink of the Spirit? Do you nourish your soul with the Spirit so that the Spirit can change who you are? Have you allowed the Spirit to have control, submitted yourself to the will of God to allow that Spirit to make a difference in who you are? We need to be Jesus. When we're together, we always offer an invitation. In fact, let's be standing. There will be those in the foyer ready to pray with you. If if you've inhibited the Spirit in some way and you want to allow that Spirit to have free range in your life, there will be some there ready to pray with you that you might indeed be changed. Some of us here at the front as well. And everything is ready. You can be baptized today in the, for the remission of your sins to receive the Spirit. You can be born again. The old self dies and a new self raised. So while we sing this song of praise, if we can help you in some way, we encourage you to come.